Good morning, good morning. Good to see you all here this morning. It's a little bit cloudy. I think it's supposed to be a nice sunny day, but it's cloudy out there right now. But sunshine in my heart, right, as the song says. And uh, so we'll sing today and lift the Lord up in our lives and let it be a blessing together. If you're visiting today for the first time, you'd stop by the, uh, the Welcome Center. We would love to give you a gift and welcome you officially. If you're visiting online for the first time, uh, please uh, scan the QR code and let us know that you're out there. Uh, that's always a blessing when we know that people are watching, listening, paying attention. Uh, it keeps us motivated. Let's see what else. Ushers, if you would like to serve as an usher, please see Ken McKinney. We uh, could use some help with ushering. Uh, we're doing offerings again, so that's our, uh, the actual passing of plates offering. And so uh, we just really could use some help. So see Brother Ken, that'd be great. The Harvest Rally, if you've never heard that song, you have no idea what I'm doing that for. But anyway, uh, the Harvest Rally is coming up on Saturday, September the 9th. See David Klingerman for details, teenagers. Always a great day. We always look forward to going. So uh, looking forward to that uh, daytime, day-long thing. Of, if you've never been to Har- how many of you have ever, you've been to the Harvest Rally already? You've been to a Harvest Rally. Uh, so many of you. And so they're a blast. Uh, there's any place from 700 to, they've had as many as 2,000 teenagers out there. Uh, back in the day, but now since then, what's happened is there's a harvest rally that happens in Michigan, a harvest rally that happens in Illinois, a harvest rally that happens in South Carolina. Harvest, they've spread all over the place, and so it's not quite as many that meet on one spot, but it's just a great time. Our missionaries of the week are Matt and Tiffany Herbster, and if you go online, uh, you can find a video that Matt has made that he's going to walk you through. They've got a new church facility, and he'll give you a video of it, and it's really uh, quite amazing what God is doing in Hong Kong. Uh, it, it is wonderful to remember that God is not just the God here in America, right? And there's wonderful things happening here, but there's things happening all around the globe that uh, God is doing. And so Matt and his family are serving in Hong Kong, so pray for them uh, as we uh, go to the Lord. Let's have the men come forward. We're going to take up the morning's offering. We encourage you just to continue to give as you do. I mean, you've, God's used you to meet our needs wonderfully. We appreciate it so much. Brother Matt, would you ask God's blessing on the offering, ask God's blessing on the Herbsters as well in Hong Kong. Father, we thank you for this morning and just for the opportunity to be able to come and and worship you together. Um, Lord, I pray for this service this morning that you would uh, be with Pastor and give him the words to say and help our hearts to be attentive. Uh, We pray for our missionaries, the Herbsters. Thank you for their willingness to serve you in a difficult place. I ask that you'd give them safety and courage as they share the gospel and continue to open doors and provide for them financially as well. Um, We pray that you would now bless this offering, use it to further the ministry that you have here. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
Thank you, Pastor Brett, uh, for that. Okay. I, <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> all right, go ahead and stay with me as we sing this morning. We're going to sing, My Faith Has Found a Resting Place. Sing three verses of this one. My faith has found a resting place, not in device or creed. I trust the ever-living one, his words for me shall be. I need no other argument, I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died, and that he died. of Paul the Apostle to the Romans, chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. Because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, and to birds, and four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up, to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, 
being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedience to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who, knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. May the Lord prosper his word whereto he sent it. You may be seated. We're going to sing this morning about who God is and the fact that he is better. And because of that, we can rest in him. And that we can find our resting place for our faith because of who Jesus Christ is. And I love this song. It was the hymn of the month, I don't know, about a year or two ago. And uh, it's, it just lifts up that Jesus is better than everything else, right? We just heard about it in the scripture reading, right? So often we, we worship the creature more than the creator. And uh, this, just, this song just reveals that, you know what, Jesus Christ is better than anything else we could ever imagine. So you can remain seated as we sing three verses of Jesus is better. My heart desires to find the prize that truly satisfies. It searches long throughout the fame but finds this empty life. This
one constantly abiding. We'll sing three verses. It's page 819 in your hymnal if you'd like to use it. 819, three verses. There's a peace in my heart that the world never gave. because of who he is. And we're going to sing next our hymn of the month, our last Sunday to sing it. So Jesus Christ the righteous sing all three verses of this as well. You gave birth to the beginning You awoke the dawn of time Yet this I have received you. 
here at this point. gentle Savior, hear my humble cry. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me Thank you, Miss Rachel. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. We're going to be in the 34th Psalm, which you want to go ahead and turn there. What is something that um, you can't know unless you see it, or you can't know unless you experience it? Give me, a, give me an idea, something like that. You guys are world travelers. What is it? Driving a stick shift, right? It's hard to explain driving a stick shift to someone unless you have done it. 
How many of you have never driven a stick shift before? Never driven a stick shift. That's a large uh, number of you. So it's a blast to drive a stick shift. You've got to, but it's hard to explain it unless you've actually had the experience, right? That's just true. What's something else? Becoming a parent, right? It's, it's hard to, grandparent as well, by the way, I'll put those in there. It's hard to explain it unless that has happened, right? Until you've actually had the experience of it, you can imagine what it's going to be like. You could say being married is about the same way. It's like you can imagine it, but it doesn't actually sink in until you've actually experienced it, until you've seen it for yourself. You could maybe say seeing the Grand Canyon. You could uh, fill in the blank with all kinds of things. There's a lot of things that we just can't get until we actually have the experience. And yet, here we are, we're independent fundamental Baptists. You know what we don't like to talk about? Experiences, right? We don't want to base our faith on experience. Why not? Okay, faith is something we, we walk by faith and not by sight, right? And that becomes a challenge for us. So, it's like sometimes as independent fundamental Baptists, we get so far removed from the concept, we back too far away from it, and we cause people to miss out on something that God wants us to actually experience. God wants us to experience some things. We're in verse 8 of uh, the 34th Psalm. It reads this, O taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, it's hard... We stand up and we say to the world out there, we have a good God. God is good. And the world legitimately looks at us and says, I don't get it. You know why? Because this is something that comes through experience. Let's pray and we're going to talk about that today. Father, help us today to see your goodness in our lives. Help us to be able to know your goodness by what you've shown to us, by what you've allowed us to feel and to experience and to know. And Father, we will thank and praise you in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now listen, I want you to, you got to catch this. We're not, today is not about feeling, and yet it is about feeling. It's not about experience, and yet it is about experience, all right? I know that faith is walking by faith, not by sight. I am aware of that. But we have a God who wants us to experience him to taste and see that the Lord is good. And this becomes a challenge for us. How do we, how do we get past that? We, we, we shy away from feelings because, I mean, I'm talking about us as pastors and as churches as we're, as we're teaching and preaching, because we don't want people to get caught up in, in chasing after a feeling, right? Because then we begin to muster up feelings, and uh, that's not our job. I mean, if, if we want to muster up some feelings, then we, you know, I'm, I'm not making this up. You're going to think I'm making this up, but there's a church here in Indianapolis that spent $50,000 on fog machines for their platform. You know? Wow! That's a lot of money for fog, right? Uh, I don't know what to tell you. It's like, because once you start going after a feeling, if you're not careful, if that becomes your goal, then we start figuring out how to manufacture these feelings and that that's a challenge for us but we have a God who says I want you to taste and see that I am good I want you to know that I'm good and that knowing comes by experience when we get over to second Peter chapter 1 we've talked about this before uh, there is there is epinosis this knowledge that comes through just that knowledge through 
imparting facts to people. And then there's, or there's gnosis, I'm sorry. And then there's epinosis, which is knowledge that comes from taking those facts and putting them to work, and we experience something. So we have, in, in the same chapter, you have gnosis, knowing something, and epinosis, knowing because we've seen it, because we've experienced it, and we have a God who says to us as Christians, this is what I want you to have. I want you to know by knowledge that I'm good. And when we don't feel that God is good, the knowledge gives us something to hang on to. That's the knowledge. But this God of ours wants us to know that he's good because we've tasted it, because we've experienced it. And so, for instance, um, I, it just came up this morning. So you may have gotten a, uh, a prayer request, prayer chain request. If you're on the prayer chain list, you got the prayer chain request that went around. And uh, so the Hazelwoods, the, uh, Dennis and Diana Hazelwood, uh, the Murrays, uh, their nephew was in, a, was in a motorcycle accident. Yesterday? Was it yesterday? Was this just yesterday? Okay, yesterday. Um, a deer jumped out in front of him, and he hit the deer on a motorcycle. Well, that, that can be dangerous when you're in a car, right? That can, but uh, on a motorcycle, it's really big. He was not wearing a helmet. Now, his body, if you see pictures, uh, his body is like, uh, it's just been skinned. It's not pretty. A, a major part of his body is missing skin. But there's no broken bones. And as best they can tell, what happened is the deer came between his head and the pavement. And so he hit the deer with his head, and so no broken bones, no brain injuries, no spinal injuries, just a lot of skin that's missing. Do you guys remember the, uh, the, uh, the uh, what were they called? Um, the test dummies. What were they, remember those, the dummy commercials? What were they called? Crash test dummies. Right there. You guys remember the crash test dummies? Now, this is just now, this is dangerous when your pastor starts thinking stuff right up the... But so the crash test dummies, they used to have a commercial. Uh, now, nobody, how many of you, the teenagers don't know who the crash test dummies are. But uh, they were, that was, that was great. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sing you the commercial. It was a little jingle and I, I, that, that was with the commercial. On the road again. Um, you don't buckle up, you'll be on the road again. Right through the windshield and across the median. Buckle up or you'll be on the road again. On the road again, here comes that semi-roaring down the highway. You can lose a limb. Now that 18-wheeler's going to teach the hard way. There's only one way. Stay off the road again. It really hurts to lose a pound of skin. <laughs> That's what I was trying to get to, right? <laughs> That's Joey Hazelwood. But you know what? Here's, what I, here's my point. You know what they said to me today? God is good. The family says, God is good. And, you know, they understand the goodness of God in a different way today than they did Friday. You know why? Because they've experienced it. Taste and see that the Lord is good. So you say, well, Pastor John, how do I go about doing that? I want to hit a deer to find out that God is good. And I agree with you. Uh, you don't have to. So we're going to walk ourselves through this passage, and let's, uh, let's show you how we can taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, by the way, if you look at the very, very first verse, it starts out in your Bible this way. A psalm of David, when he changed his behavior before Abimelech, who drove, away and, uh, drove him away and he departed. So this is David who's literally living among the enemy. Do you remember this? 
And so he's acting like he's crazy so they won't kill him. And so they let him go. Like, this guy's out of his head. And they just let him go because they figure, what, you know, he, he's not going to hurt them if he can't think clearly. And so they let him go. And uh, then David uh, begins to write this psalm. I will bless the Lord at all times, and praise shall continually be in my mouth. I want you to stop, because we're going to get down to verse 8 that says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. And I want you to see the beginning of how do we get to the place where we can taste and see that the Lord is good. And it starts right here in verse 1. Blessing the Lord and praising the Lord continually. To get to this place where we are lifting God up, to praise him is literally to lift God up in our lives, to exalt God in our lives. When we, when we put God up higher, then we're able to begin to taste and see, to experience, to know that this God that we're worshiping, this God that we're serving, is a good God. And it doesn't just say continually, but it says we should do this continually how? Last... last uh, speaking it in our mouth let it be in our mouth we've got to speak god's praise when's the last time that you actually you know you know what uh, you know what the hazelwood family was doing yesterday and today speaking god's praise wow god is good wow god is good god gave them reason to speak his praise when you and i learn how to speak god's praise we're reminded of who it is that we're worshiping who it is that we're coming before who it is that we're serving we're reminded of how good god is and listen, life's not good always. Would you agree? Man is born in trouble, the sparks fly upward. It's a rough world out there. That's legitimate. That's true. But when the world is going crazy, is God still good? Yes. How do we know this? Well, we start by, I'm going to lift God up. I'm going to exalt God. I'm going to raise him up. And I'm going to use my mouth to do so. I'm going to speak it out loud. I'm going to say, God is good. I'm going to lift that up. We'll taste and know that he is good. Verse 2. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Now listen, this is all talking about the same thing. Humility versus boasting. Boasting, that doesn't sound uh, very humble, Pastor. But it's not boasting about me, right? It's boasting in the Lord. Uh, we looked at a verse on Friday at uh, Paul Sharon's funeral. And again, this is where it's just... But it's Apostle Paul speaking and he says he says oh, i'm going to paraphrase it the kind of man i am today is because of what god has done because of what the grace of god has done it's in first corinthians 15 that's all i can remember uh and it says it's it's it because of what the grace of god has done in my life and he goes on to say and god's grace has not been in vain it's made a difference a, the idea is the boast is in the Lord, right? Is that, we look at ourselves in the mirror and we say, wow, look at what I've done. No, 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 it's not about that. We look at our family and say, look at the great family I have. It's not about us. It is when we boast in the Lord that God's grace has brought us to where we are. And it's only by the grace of God that we have kids that love us and love Jesus. Do you understand? That is only by the grace of God. God's grace has not been in vain. And when we lift God up, we begin to see just how good God is. All of a sudden, we can taste and know that the God that we're serving is a good God. And while sometimes it doesn't always seem that way because, he, because the life we're living in this world is cursed by sin, 
and we can focus on the curse more than we focus on the God who is able to bring us above the curse. And when we do that, we're going to get ourselves in trouble. All of a sudden we say, wow, if God were so good, then how come this happens, and how come this happens, and how come this happens? And we begin to focus on the wrong things. But when we lift God up, when we make our boast in the Lord, the reality is all, the only thing, everything that I am is only because God is a good God. The only reason I'm a dad, the only reason I'm a grandfather, the only reason I'm your pastor, the only reason I have a wonderful wife, the only reason God is, is because God is a good God. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Let our boast be in the Lord, and we need to humble ourselves and let our boast be in the Lord. Go on to verse 3. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. So, getting into this habit, we're back up to verse 1 where we're going to praise him. We're in verse 2 where we're going to give him, we're going to brag on him and brag on all that God has done. And now we get to this verse 3. Let's, let's magnify the Lord. Now, here's, what happens when you magnify something? It gets bigger. It gets bigger, right? We put something under a magnifying glass, it gets bigger. Let me ask you something. Is it possible to make God too big? No. Our problem, isn't it amazing that God has to tell us to magnify him? I mean, he is already infinitely. I mean, he, he is, he's this, there's nothing like God. He's already infinite. But yet, God knows our nature. It is our nature to make God too small. That's our nature. If we want to get to the place where we taste and see that God is good, we need to get in the habit of magnifying God, of making God bigger and making God greater, so that verses like, is there anything too hard for me, saith the Lord, become, is there anything too hard for me, saith the Lord. And when we've magnified it, we do it again. The idea is that we never stop making God bigger and greater in our lives because we're never going to surpass his greatness. That's not going to happen. We're not going to make God greater than he is in our thinking. What we need to do is change our thinking. Oh, magnify the Lord. Exalt his name together. And don't leave out that last word again. Earlier it was, that, it was about doing this with our mouth, and now it's doing this with who? Who's the together? Who do you think the together is? All of us. It could be you and your spouse. It could be you and your family and your kids. It could be you and your extended family with your grandkids, nieces, and nephews. It's us, Southeast Baptist Tabernacle, sitting here this morning. Let us exalt his name together. Let us leave here this morning knowing that God is good because we've spent some time lifting God up in praise. We've spent some time speaking out his praise. We've spent some time magnifying God, making him greater in our hearts and minds than we've ever made him before. Magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. It's going to get us to verse 8 where we know that God is good. Look at verse 4. I sought the Lord. Let's stop there for a moment because we're, we're, I'm trying to give you some practical... Notice, please notice something. Not a single thing that we've talked about yet is a feeling. At least in the list of things, right? We're going to get to the feeling when it says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. The experience there in verse 8, 
But the way to get to the experience is not about feelings. It's about choosing an action. Let's lift God up. Let's praise God with our mouth. Let's exalt Him. Let's magnify Him. Let's seek the Lord. Let us come today and say, God, I want you to show me something about you. Let's seek God. Have you come? I mean, honestly, why are you here? I'm I'm just trying to be honest. I'm not trying to be a smart look, but why are you here? If we've come here this morning with less than seeking God, why are we here? Well, because it's Sunday morning, Pastor, and it's my habit. And unfortunately, that leads us to a habit of never seeing God as great as he is. And then we go throughout the week where the world is beating us up, and we say, is God really good? We're not seeking him. Let's seek God this morning. Let's let's say, God, I want you to show me something about yourself. God, I want to know more about you. I'm here for a purpose, and that purpose is to exalt you, to praise you, to bless the Lord with my mouth, to do this together collectively as we begin to see a God that is better. Jesus is better. A God that we don't deserve. What are we seeing in this God of ours? If if we come to church just because, we're going to walk away missing who God is. And I promise you, it may not happen this week, but there's going to come a time when life slaps you harder than you've imagined it could slap you. And you're going to be asking yourself, is God good? And if we're not in the habit of exalting God, of magnifying God, of speaking out His praise, we're going to be overwhelmed with that question. Is God good? And the answer is yes, he is. But oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Look what it says at the end of that verse. I saw the Lord. When I do these things, not only does, do I taste and see that God is good, but he delivers me from all, and I like this verse, because there's another verse that says he delivers me from all of my troubles. But this verse says all my fears. All my fears. Everything that you're afraid of, everything that you're worrying about, everything that brings you anxiety, this is what that God, that we lift him up, we make him greater than our problems, greater than our own weaknesses, greater than everything that that we know, and then all of a sudden, as we seek out that God, that great, awesome, magnified God, we find a God who delivers us from all of our fears. Some of you dropped your kids off at college, Maybe for the first time. I know some of you have dropped them off for the first time. It's like, uh, you, and there's families sitting here, and I know they've had kids that have gone to college, but they went to college down the street, and they come home at night. But this time it's like we're dropping them off. If you've never had that experience, then you can't fully understand what I'm about to say. But that is like, you know, you've poured your life for 18 years into this, into this soul, and you're about to hand them off to someone and you're not going to be there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And that is a game changer. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. And uh, all of a sudden, there's fears that you didn't know you had. But then we say, oh, but there's a God sitting on a throne that is greater than everything my child is going to face this year. And we magnify that God, and the fears begin to melt away. That's what God does. Oh, taste and see that the Lord 
is good. Look at verse 5. They looked unto him. You know, so when we're facing those fears, when we're facing those heartaches, when we're facing those troubles, when we're facing those difficulties, we look to the Lord. There's a, there's a uh, Bible verse and a song that we sing uh, based on that Bible verse, and it's look and live, right? Look and live. And this verse says, when we look, we're lightened. All of a sudden, the, not just the light comes on, but the burden becomes lighter. Look, they looked at him and were lightened. Their faces were not ashamed. This is what happens as we begin to see that God is good because we're following a simple prescription of actions, not of feelings. Uh, we, we tend to flip-flop this all the time, right? When we talk about love, we always think of feelings, right? Love is gushy and feelings. And then all of a sudden we get married and we realize that feelings aren't quite enough to make this all work. What happened? And we have to start learning some things. Well, if we listen to God from the beginning, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, right, when he begins to describe love, he doesn't use feelings to describe love. Charity suffers long, is kind, envieth not, vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things, charity never faileth. It's a series of choices of action. That's what love is. And tasting and knowing that God is good is a series of choices of action. It's not about feeling. The feeling comes as a result of. That's the same way with love. When we choose the right actions, the feelings of love come in. And the same is true when we experience God's goodness. It is choosing action. We need to look to the Lord when we're facing difficulties. When we're facing hard. This morning in our Sunday school class, I almost missed it. And uh, one, of the, one of the guys said, well, Pastor, they just said this one. So we were answering a question. I don't remember exactly what the question was. But anyway, it was like, how do you do this, this, this? And, and um, so the, one, of the, one of the people said, well, you, you do this and pray about it and blah, blah, blah. And I focus on the do this. And then, and then the, uh, somebody said, and well, there's another one there, Pastor. Pray about it, right? to pray, to, to look unto the Lord, to seek out the Lord. That's what it all is. Is We turn to the Lord when we're facing these difficulties and these heartaches. When God is the one we look to for answers, before we look to everybody else, right? I, I'm, I've told you this before. This is one of my big things, one of the big problems that I have in my own spiritual walk, is that I tend to be very self-confident. And so a problem comes up. It can be a problem in our church, it can be a problem in our marriage, it can be a problem that I'm facing individually, and my first reaction is, what can I do to fix it? And I start running through all the scenarios that I can do. That didn't work, that didn't work, that didn't work, that didn't work. And finally it gets about, I'm like, oh, maybe I should ask God what I can do to fix this. Right? It's, right? it's like, ah, what's the problem with this? If I want to know something about God, I need to begin to, to look unto Him, to seek Him out. And then I'll get to verse 8, to taste and see that the Lord is good. Go down to verse 6. This poor man did what? This guy isn't just looking to the Lord. He isn't just seeking the Lord. This guy is crying out to the Lord. This poor man cried. Now there's a couple things involved in this, right? I've got to first see myself the right way. Who am I in this scenario? I'm the poor man. I bring very little to the plate. You understand? I'm the poor man. 
I'm the one in need of help. And when I get to the place where I see myself the right way and I begin to see God the right way, then this poor man cries out to the Lord. Lord, I don't know what to do. Lord, I can't fix this problem. Lord, I can't protect my kids in college when they're away. Lord, I'm not there to guide them. What am I supposed to do? And I cry out to the Lord, and I love this. The Lord delivers him out of all of his troubles. Early it's all of his fears. Now it's all of his troubles. God not only takes away the the emotion of fear, that concern, that anxiety, but then God actually works within the circumstance and the situation because all things work together for good. And God begins to work in the circumstance and to change it out. And it's all a series of action on my part to lift God up, to praise God with my mouth, together with others around me, to exalt God to magnify God, to cry out to him in my time of need. And as we begin to see that happen, God begins to show himself strong. Go down to verse 9. I'm sorry, verse uh, verse 7. The angel of the Lord encamped around about them that what? Fear him. Them that fear him. You're going to see that fear him come up again, verse 9. Oh, fear the Lord. Ye saints. There is no want, there's nothing missing to those that fear him. Wow, three times in three verses, God says, Fear the Lord. Now, that, you know, that concept of fear is awe and respect, and it is, that's true. Uh, to fear the Lord is like, I don't want, I'm, I'm literally afraid to come into the presence of God without the blood of Jesus Christ, right? Unworthily, I, I don't, I, I fear God, but it's that awe and respect. I'm going to, I'm going to change the way I think about God. The step to take is to change the way I think about God. I just gave you the illustration how I I tend to do this on my own and then think about God. To change the way I think about God. The, The circumstance requires God. And I change the way I think about God. That there is nothing too hard for God. And so when I'm facing the circumstance, I, I put it in the Lord's hands because I'm going to change the way I think about God. That God is able, that God is capable to fix, to resolve, to work through anything that I'm facing in life. And as I change the way I think about God, as I show Him awe and respect, as I fear God, it changes. So literally it says, there's nothing lacking for the guy who would choose to fear God. I want to make some choices. I want to know that God is good. I'm going to need to know at some point that God is good. I'm going to face something I can't fix sooner than later. And I need to know that God is good. Get down to verse 10. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want for any good thing. Later on in the Psalms, David writes this, Psalm 84, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory, and no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. This is the kind of God we have. He's not trying to withhold things from us. He wants to give us good things. We have a Father. the, The Bible says in the New Testament, you know, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father. Every good and, per- and and Jesus said, you know, we have a father who knows how to give good gifts unto his children. So if we ask for 
uh, of bread. He doesn't give us a stone. If we ask for a fish, he doesn't give us a serpent. He knows how to give good. And God's not trying to withhold anything from us. The God that we have is a good God. And his desire is to withhold nothing from us. All we need to do is to come to him and allow him to bring it to us. Verse 11 says, come. That just literally means that. Come to the Lord. Hearken. Pay attention. Verse 12. What is man that desireth, what is he that desireth life, loveth many days, that he may see good? Are you, are, is this what you want? Do you want to have life and many days and see good things happen in your life? Well, listen to what it says. Keep your tongue from evil, your lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil, do good, seek peace, and pursue it. That's repeated by Peter in the New Testament where he says it this way. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil. And his lips, they speak no guile. Let him eschew or push away evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. This is what God wants us to do, to seek out these things. When we begin to do the things that God gives us in this prescription, we land on verse 8. We taste and we know that God is good. I don't know what you're facing. I have no idea. I know that everybody faces life, and life is hard. Life is difficult. And some moments, life is really hard. And sometimes, it's almost seemingly unbearably hard. There have been times in our church, I've literally prayed to the Lord, God, please be with these people because I don't understand how they can take any more. I mean, I've, I've watched some of you. Just be loaded down with life. And as you're loaded down, it seems that another burden of life comes upon you. And how does that person know that God is good? How does that person come to a conclusion that God is good after multiple, multiple trials have been placed upon their lives? That's, by the way, not God. That's the curse of sin. That God is still good. Taste. And no, let's praise God. Let's take our mouths and lift him up. Let's exalt the Lord. Let's magnify the Lord. Let's pursue the Lord. Let's seek after the Lord. Let us cry out unto the Lord. Let us come to the Lord. Let us let him teach us. Let's learn some things about God. And once we have tasted, we will know God is good. You know how good God is? God's good enough that before we knew Christ, we, without Jesus, dead in our trespasses and sins, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And this great and good God of ours, before we even knew enough to lift him up, sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross to pay for our sin debt. Because the Bible says the wages, the payment for sin is death. That's separation from God. If we have sinned and all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, we are separated from God. And that separation has to be paid for. There's only two ways to pay for it. We stay separated from God from all, for all eternity. Spend all eternity separated from God in a place called hell. Or God would send his son who would pay our sin debt on a cross and we by faith believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved would place our faith in the death of Jesus Christ on the cross as the payment for our sins. 
Not a church membership, not baptism, not doing good works, not paying money. None of that does it. Because not by works of righteousness that we have done, but according to his mercy he saves us. And we, we trust, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. We trust what he did on the cross to be the full payment for our sins. And this good God, before we even knew that we needed a good God, has already provided for our sin debt to be paid. And a God who is that good isn't all of a sudden going to come up short, Christian. He's not going to all of a sudden come up short on his goodness. He's a good God. Heads by eyes closed, please. Pastor John, I, I'm struggling in life. I'm weighed down. And Pastor, I have forgotten just how good God is. This morning, I need to taste and know, taste and see. I need to experience to be certain of God's goodness. Pastor, I need to begin to exalt God, to magnify Him, to bless His name, to, to praise Him, and to, to, with my mouth, speak forth His great praise. Pastor, I need to cry out to the Lord afresh and anew and let Him take away my fears and my troubles. Pastor, I'm burdened down. I've almost forgotten that God is good. Pastor, would you pray for me this morning that I would see this good God of ours. Thank you. Would you slip your hand up? I see two, three, four automatically. Anyone else? Thank you for those. Uh, it's tough when life beats us down. Maybe say, Pastor John, I'm not even certain I'm a Christian. Pastor, I can't say that I've ever trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. If I were to die today, I'm not certain I would go to heaven. And I'm concerned about my soul, about where I would spend eternity. Can I give you some wonderful news right now, right where you're sitting? The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And right now, right where you're sitting, you can place your faith, your confidence, your trust in what Jesus Christ did on the cross as the payment for your sins. And a God who cannot lie will keep his promise to take away your sin debt and to give you the wonderful gift of eternal life. Not because we do good things, but because he is a good God. And right now, right where you're sitting, you can ask the Lord to forgive you for your sins and save you. You can put your faith, your confidence, your trust in, in what Jesus Christ did on the cross as the payment for your sins. Lord, forgive me of my sins and save me. I'm trusting Jesus and his death to get me to heaven. If you do that right now, God will keep his promise. Your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed. Maybe you'd say, Pastor John, sitting here this morning as best I know how, I've asked the Lord to forgive me my sins and save me. As best I know how, I've placed my faith, my confidence in Jesus Christ. Just now, just here this morning. Would you look up at me for just a moment and make eye contact with me so I can see that? Rejoice with you. Anyone? Did you mean that? Amen. God's not a liar. He keeps his promise. Amen. God's not a liar. He keeps his promise. Amen. Anyone else? Make sure I see you. Father, I thank you for these two and pray that you would help them to grow in your grace. God, I pray that your goodness would be real to them today in a fresh and new way. For these four or five that raise their hand that are struggling in life's burdens, God, I pray that they would find help, hope, and comfort in you today. 
that, God, you would be exalted in their lives and they would be able to leave here knowing your goodness afresh and anew. And, Father, we will thank and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand. We're going to sing together. Nearer, still nearer. As we sing, the altar is open to you. If you need to do business with the Lord, you step out. Let him have his way, would you? for just a moment. We're going to have a baptism and so I invite you to be seated and Pastor Brad will come up and lead us in a song. Alright, we'll sing a couple verses of Trust and Obey. <clears throat> when we walk with the Lord in the light of His Word what a glory He sheds on Jesus Christ is your Savior? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if you die right now, you know you go to heaven? Mm -hmm. Amen. Upon your profession of faith in Jesus Christ, and I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Buried with him in baptism and likeness of his death. Raised with him to walk in newness of life. 
There you go. All right. Be careful. Uh, my Sunday school class, by the way, I forgot to mention this earlier, has a fellowship right now after the service today. And uh, so you're invited. If you didn't say, I didn't sign up, Pastor John, that's all right. Just come on. We would love to have you. There's going to be plenty of food. And it's always good to see the kids coming in to watch the kids get baptized. All right, let's stand. We'll let you be dismissed. The Lord bless you, keep you, make his face shine upon you, give you peace. Love you all. God bless you. You are dismissed.